Hey, New Life Gillette Church, we are thrilled you decided to listen to our teaching on your favorite podcast app. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, would you let us know by visiting yes.newlifegillette.com. Here is this week's teaching. Uh, let me say welcome to those of you who are watching online, uh, to the guys over at the prison, to our friends at the jail, those of you who are here in the room. Uh, so because I was gone last week, I didn't get to celebrate with you that we had our biggest Easter ever two weeks ago. We had 105 people make first-time commitments to follow Christ. Yes. So we are celebrating that. It was, it was absolutely awesome. And let me just say, if you are one of those 105 people Lean in. Like, don't just let that be a one-time decision that you made. Like, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We are pumped about that. However, there's so much more. Like, dive in. Get involved. More and more learn about what God has created you to be and become that person. That's my invitation to you today. Okay, have you ever had one of those days where it just felt like everything that could go wrong did go wrong? Like, you hit every single red light that day. Or you had an argument with every single person in your family. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. I do think there are, obviously there's some things that could go wrong that didn't go wrong. But there are some days where it just seems like everything goes wrong. However, I would say more often in my life, it's not that everything went wrong. It was that something went wrong in the morning and then I milked it for the rest of the day. It's like, I just had a bad attitude. I was mad at the world. And because of my bad attitude and because of my pessimism, pessimism, it was like dominoes that fell and just affected everything else. We are starting a new series today called First Things First. And we're going to talk about all throughout this series how whatever we do first or whatever happens first has such a huge impact on everything else that comes after it. You've experienced it in your life that, that if something bad happens, it's so hard to recover from that thing. Maybe for you, it goes something like this. I, I woke up late, slept through my alarm. So I wake up and then we're running late. So I got to go get the kids and we got to get our clothes on faster than we normally do. So I'm screaming at them, go faster. And they're not obeying. And so then I'm yelling at them. And then we all get into a fight. So we're late getting into the car and we get into the car and they're late to school and I'm late to work. And because I was late to work, I didn't hear the announcement about the meeting that was happening in the afternoon. So then my boss got mad at me, had a horrible day. So on my way home, I got stopped at the bar and had a couple drinks, drank too much. So then I was late too late, home too late. And my wife got mad at me. And then we fought. It's like, I allowed something in the morning to affect, I had a bad start in the morning, and so that just domino effect through my life. When I was uh, a kid, I flunked out of the sixth grade, so I had to take sixth grade twice, and I, something clicked in me. I was like, I don't like failure. Like, that doesn't feel good. So something changed in my brain where I, I started saying, okay, who's succeeding? I want to be more like that person. Actually, I told this story in, fir in, in first service, and my dad yelled at me after first service because he said, you failed sixth grade, not seventh grade. I said seventh grade, first service. We remember it differently. Anyway, um, 
So I decided that I, that was not going to happen. I'm going to do away with failure. And my strategy to do away with failure was I'm going to look at successful people and try to do things the way they do things. And that really changed my life. It really changed the way I live my life, like constantly trying to better myself. And one of the things that I recognized in the successful people that I knew is that they woke up really early. And so I decided I'm going to start waking up early. And it really did help me. Now, early for a teenager is different than early for me now, but it really did help me in life. If I wake up and I'm not rushed getting out of the door, but as I've grown older, I realized it wasn't so much what time I was waking up. It was what I was doing when I first wake up that made the big difference. Now, the reason why you, many of us feel like we need to wake up early is so that we have time to do the important stuff. So waking up early, but maybe for you, you can wake up at 10 a.m. and still get the important stuff done because the things that you do first in your day are so incredibly important and so helpful in our lives. When I was in college, I learned this lesson, this principle in scripture called the principle of first. And it has just been an important concept that has helped me in every area of my life. I feel like it is a principle that runs all throughout scripture. And if you will adopt it into your life, it will help you. It will make you better. When I learned this, I learned it from a guy named Robert Morris. Many of you have probably heard of him. Um, And so I I wanted to preach this sermon to you that I heard from him. So I went back and I found that old sermon. I found out he actually preached it recently at Life Church. And um, I was like, I'm just going to re-preach what he preached. And then I watched the message and I thought, I can't do it that good. I'll just play him preaching it. So I'm going to do something really weird today. I'm going to play you an extended clip from this message that was so influential in my life. And hopefully you get as much out of it as I got out of it. And it will help you as much as it helped me. So we're going to watch him preaching a big portion of this sermon together. Watch this. Now the principle of first is a principle that runs all through scripture and always works. If God is first in your life, everything can come in order. If God is not first in your life, nothing can come in order. And when I say everything comes in order, I don't mean we're not going to have problems or tribulations. World, Jesus said you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. I don't mean you won't ever have any problems because we live in a fallen world. But what I do mean is that everything in your life can come into order and you can walk through whatever situation you go through because God is in charge and in control in your life because you've put him first in your life. So uh, I have three points for you, uh, but I want to read a couple of scriptures in Exodus 13. That's a miracle. That's two, two pages from it there. Okay. Exodus 13, verse 1. Now, I know this is the Old Testament and it's kind of Old Testament-y, but just stay with me because 1 Corinthians 10 says everything in the Old Testament was written for our instruction and for our example, an example to us. So Exodus 13, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate, that's a big word, which means set aside, set apart, the fir- to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both a man and beast, it is mine. Now, I I wish I could tell you how strong this is in the Hebrew, 
but it, it, it means exactly what it says. It is mine, but another way to say it is, it's my property, it belongs to me. It's mine. The firstborn belongs to God. And then verse 12 of Exodus 13, and, thir- and verse 13, you shall set apart, again, that's the same thing as consecrate or make holy, set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's, or again, shall belong to God. They're God's. But every, Now, this again is a little Old Testament to you, but I'll explain it. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. In other words, you're going to lose it. If you don't redeem it, you'll lose it. And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Okay, so I have three points. If you're taking notes, write these down. If you're not taking notes, write these down. Uh, So here's number one. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. That's what we just read. The firstborn must be, according to this verse, sacrificed or redeemed. Now, again, this was a law in the Old Testament. We know we're not under law, we're under grace, but there are principles behind the laws. That's what we're trying to figure out. What are the principles behind the Ten Commandments to have a better relationship with God and a better relationship with others? What are the principles in the Old Testament that carry all through the Bible? And this is a principle that carries all through the Bible. It goes all the way back to the garden. goes all the way to the book of Revelation. So the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. But how do you know which? How do you know whether to sacrifice it or redeem it? Well, he gives us two classifications of animals that are exemplary of animals that are clean and unclean. A lamb represents a clean animal. A donkey represents an unclean animal. So if you have, if your firstborn animal from a clean animal, if you have one from a clean animal, you have to sacrifice it. If it comes from an unclean animal, you have to redeem it with the sacrifice of a clean. Um, Were you... When you were born in this world, spiritually speaking, were you born clean or unclean? Unclean, because we're all born with a sin nature, right? And I can prove it by simply asking the experts in the room, the parents, (laughs) do you have to teach your children to be bad? Or does it come naturally to them? We have to teach them to be good, right? So we were all born unclean. Was Jesus born unclean or clean? Clean. Okay, listen, you're going to like this one. You're going to like it. I'm going to bring it all around now. The clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. There it is. That's what this represents. That's why I'm saying when you you read something in the Old Testament, you don't understand it. Think about what does this represent? How does that represent Christ? And how does this affect me today? So that's where it is. So when we talk about, we're going to talk a little bit later about the tithe, about tithing to the church. So don't, don't leave, okay? Please don't leave. We're going to talk about that some. But you have to understand there's a principle of the first. And it starts with the firstborn. Here's what the firstborn does, by the way. The firstborn redeems the rest. See, God doesn't ask for the tenthborn. He asks for the firstborn. You know why? Because it takes faith to give the first. 
In other words, he doesn't say, after your sheep has 10 lambs, then give me one of them and you can give me the one that keeps getting in your garden that you don't like. <laughs> he says, give me the first one when you don't have the other nine. Again, I want you to think about tithing. <laughs> and if you give your tithe first before you pay the bills, see? So this is what, it, let me tell you something else. The tithe represents, because a lot of people badmouth the tithe because they say, well, it's Old Testament. Well, it began in the Old Testament, but it's a principle that's all through scripture that even Jesus himself emphasized. Jesus himself said, you ought to tithe. Now I was saved in a motel room, a Jake's Motel, room 12. Uh, they didn't allow pets, uh, but they had roaches instead. <laughs> Jake's Motel Room 12. They only had 13 rooms. I thought 13 was unlucky. I got saved in that motel room. Out of drugs. And out of being in and out of jail. So if Jesus said that you ought to tithe, that's enough for me right there. That settles it right there for me. And that's Matthew 23, 23 if you want to look it up later. Okay, but here's, here's the thing. People talk bad about the tithe Please let me give you a little different perspective. <laughs> Jesus is God's tithe. Because he's, he's the firstborn. And God didn't wait for you to straighten up to give Jesus. God gave Jesus first. God gave Jesus when we were mocking him and spitting on him and nailing him to a cross. While we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. I wonder how God feels about it when people speak negatively about the tithe. And yet Jesus is God's firstborn. And we're going to see in a minute, first fruits. He's God's tithe. God gives him first. Actually, Romans even says it. It says in hope, and that word for hope is actually faith. He gives him in faith, in hope, that we will come to him. So that's, that's our, our Savior. Uh, my, uh, I have two sons and a daughter. All three are married, doing great. But my daughter, um, when um, guys were going to date her, they had to date me first, you know? And they had to meet with me. And I'd meet with them, and I would, you know, just normal things. I'd ask them questions, show, me, show them my gun collection, normal things <laughs> that a father does. But uh, they were standing around one time after our young adult service, and they were talking about how, how, how strange it would be to date the pastor's daughter. And so... Um, uh, one of them said, you know, your dad said to my daughter, Elaine, your dad is so strong on tithing, I'll bet he even checks the tithing records of the guys that want to date you. <laughs> and my daughter said, he does. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> and I have a real simple question for you. Why would I give my daughter to a thief? And that's God's language, not mine. Don't get offended at me. God said the person doesn't tithe is stealing from me and robbing me. And by the way, have you ever thought about what you're robbing him from because he owns it all? I'll tell you what you're robbing him from. You're robbing him from the opportunity to bless you. That's how you're robbing him because he owns it all. So you're not robbing him any other way. So, so the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Here's number two. The first fruits must be offered. Uh, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Your possessions. 
and with the first fruits of all your increase or income, you could say. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Exodus 23, 19, the first of the first fruits of your land, he's really making, this is first things first, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Two things I want you to notice. The tithe comes to the house of God, not to a university, not to a missionary. We do give to other good things, but that's over and above the tithe. Comes to the house of God, but he said you must bring it. Let me tell you something about the tithe. God never uses the word give when he talks about tithing. He always uses the word bring. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse. This is why. Because you can't give what you don't own. You have two choices with the tithe according to Scripture. You can bring it or you can steal it. Those are your only two choices. Just look through Scripture. I've studied it 40 years. And try to find any other choice with the tithe. When I was in uh, college, one of the students asked the, one of the professors, why did God accept Abel's sacrifice, but he didn't accept Cain's? And the professor was really honest. He said, you know, I really don't know. Well, when the Lord showed me this truth about firstborn and firstfruits belong to God, then you see it. So let me just read it for you. And you'll see it too. Genesis 4, verse 3 and 5. And in the process of time, now those words are very important. In the process of time, it came to pass, it just kind of came to pass, that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice it does not say first fruits. It's just in the process of time, it came to pass. An offering. Verse four, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Did you see it? It's clear. Abel's a, a rancher, he brings the firstborn. Cain's a farmer, but he doesn't bring first fruits. In the process of time, it came to pass, he brought an offering to the Lord. Let's say it another way. He gave what he wanted, when he wanted. And God said, no, I only accept the first. So firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. First fruits must be offered. We just saw it in scripture. And here's point three, the tithe must be first. The reason is because it belongs to God. We're just returning it. We're not giving it, we're, we're returning it. Let me read you the scripture, Leviticus 27, 30, and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. Same language as in Exodus 13, belongs to God. It's his property. It is holy, again, same word, set apart to the Lord. Okay, so... Um, I'm gonna give you a math illustration, okay? And let's say you have a landscape company and Debbie and I asked you to come over and you know, put in some plants and, and flowers and things, you know, and you say, Pastor Robert, uh, this, this will be my materials, this will be my labor to put them in and my profit will be $1,000 on the job. And we gotta make profit, obviously, gotta have an income. Is the whole price agreeable to you? I say, it's agreeable. So you do the job and I pay all your labor, pay all your materials and expenses, and then I give you a 10 $100 bills, $1,000 for your income. So, because you, you don't tithe on materials and all that, because that's not part of your income, it's your increase. So, you have uh, 10 $100 bills in your hand. So, here's the math part. So, only half of you have to answer this question, okay? So, obviously, a tithe is 10%. So, how much is the tithe? 
$100, right? You got $1,000, okay. But here's the next question. Which one of the 10 $100 bills is the tithe? The first one, yes. Good, you're listening. But how do you know which one's the first one? Let me tell you how. It's the first one that leaves your hand. For instance, if you go home and say, I'm going to set aside some for the mortgage, some for groceries, some for the car, some for insurance. Oh, look, there's not enough leftover for God. Now, I really don't mean this sarcastically, but he wouldn't accept it anyway. He even says it in Malachi. He said, you bring me lame animals and blind and maimed. I, I do not accept him. He does not accept the leftover offering. He didn't accept Cain's. See, you gave the first part to the mortgage company. And can I tell you something? The mortgage company does not have the power to bless your finances. But God does. So you give the first one to God. You say, God, I got a stack of bills here, but I'm giving you first. And 90% with God's blessing will go farther than 100% without. Now, let me, let me also say something. Because if you say, well, I may be tithing. I've been tithing for years, but I never thought about it that way. That's okay. Now you know, though. Just give it first. Give it first. Um, I am not legalistic about this. God's not legalistic about it. It is your heart. He's looking at your heart. But in my heart, I want to put God first. But, but let's just say it'll get paid on the 30th. And the 30th. But what I do, what I do my time in the morning, 15th and 30th, is I go online and I send my tithe to the church. For Debbie and I, and I, I, God told me years ago to start saying this when I teach on this, we give a double tithe. And we just, and I, we're not bragging. I'm just telling you that because God's calling some of you to double tithe. That's the only reason I say it. We started that in 1985. So we've done it 35 years now. So I, we give 20% to the local church and then we give over and above that. But, so I'll do that on the 15th, 30th. But what if I get busy, I have an early morning flight somewhere or something and I forget that it, oh, it's the 15th and go out of town later that day, I think, oh, it's the 15th. And I go online and I notice that Debbie has been to the grocery store that day. Okay, I don't say to her, that's great, sugar, we're cursed. <laughs> you gave part of the tithe to Kroger's, and so we're cursed. I don't do that because God is not legalistic. It's my heart. Are, are you following me? So I don't mean, don't be legalistic about it. Be principled about it, though, okay? So let me tell you one more thing out of Exodus 13, then we're finished. Uh, we stopped a while ago at verse 13. Let's read verses 14 and 15. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what, what is this? Now, they're talking about, this is talking about giving the firstborn, sacrificing the firstborn to God. Why, why are you doing this, what he said? Why are you killing all these animals, Dad? That you shall say to him, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, in other words, this is the reason I sacrificed to the Lord all males that opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeemed. Okay, so here's what God says. He knows what's gonna happen. He knows one day your son's gonna ask you, why are you doing this? So if you think about it this way, let's say he's a little boy, and he runs in the house and he says, Mom, Dad, the, the sheep is having her, her lamb right now and it's her first one and, and it's come, come see. So everyone runs out to the barn, but the dad grabs the butcher knife on the way. And so they go out the barn and the little lamb is born. They're all sitting around. Oh, look at the dear lamb. Oh, look at him standing up. 
him standing up. And then the dad grabs the lamb by the hind legs, picks it up, and cuts his throat. And this little boy is watching this. So you know what he's thinking, don't you? He's thinking, I don't know what that lamb did, but I'm not going to do that. I'll find out, and I won't do that. You know. And this happens the whole time he's growing up. And then the son goes to college. He comes home, and uh, the dad says, hey, why don't you take care of the books? You got your education now. So one day he's going over the books. The dad comes in from the field, and he says, dad, um, sit, sit down, dad. I, I want to talk to you just for a minute about something. Um, you, you don't have that knife with you, do you? Okay, okay. Well, anyway, that done, it's okay. Um, you asked me to go over the books, and, and dad, you, um, um, you, I don't know if you know this, but every time one of our animals has a firstborn, um, um, well, you, you kill it, dad. And um, I was just wondering why you do that. He said, when your son asks you, you say to him, son, I need to tell you something about our family that you don't know. We weren't always in the ranching business. As a matter of fact, son, we didn't own land. We didn't have any animals. We were slaves. But God, with a mighty hand, set us free and gave us everything you see. Therefore, we gladly give to God the first of all of our increase. Now, this was written about 4,000 years ago. Happened 4,000. No, no, written 4,000. Okay, so this happened to me. Almost the same thing. I'm, I, years ago, I would, before I did online, I would write the tithe check and then set it to the side and then pay the bills. Um, I was just thinking, uh, for you younger people, we used to have pieces of paper called checks. <laughs> and so, uh, anyway, so I'd write the tithe check, set it aside, and then I'd pay all the bills, and I'd take it on the weekend to church. So I'd done that, and I had it over here, and my oldest son came in. He was about eight at that time. He has a math mind like I have a math mind, and my dad had it, you know, and so he looks at that tithe check and realizes this is a lot of money. And so he says to me, Dad, why are you giving so much money to the church? And I remembered this scripture. <laughs> and so I said to my son, I actually took him in my lap, and I said to him, son, there's something about dad that and you don't know. But your daddy wasn't always a Christian. And your daddy was a very, very bad man. And he couldn't stop being bad. But God, with a mighty hand, rescued your daddy and gave us everything that we have now. Therefore, I gladly give to God the first of all of my increase. Gladly. So uh, he uses the illustration of tithing to talk about putting God first. But I think you can take that same principle and apply it to most of our lives. It's why we meet for church on Sundays. 
first day of the week. Uh, it's also the day Jesus rose from the dead. We put him first. We say we're going to start our week with God, with his church. It's why we do mug moments, because our encouragement was to say, start your day well. Start your day with God. Start your day with, with scripture and with prayer. Start well. Put first things first. Jesus himself said it. He said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, and then he will take care of the rest. You are not losing anything when you put God first. You are gaining everything. Everything I have is by the grace of God. Everything I have is a gift from God. And so when I put him first, then I put it in his, his hands. And we'll pick up there next week and talk about how when we put our lives in his hands, how he protects us. God, I thank you that you have drawn us to you. And I pray that we would be faithful to respond to your gift of your son by giving of ourselves, giving our lives to you. I pray that you would not just be a part of our lives, not just be a leftover but be our priority, be our first, that we would put you first in our lives. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.